Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, so as we begin 2022, we are kind of talking about the top 10 uh, religious stories of 2021. Uh, we're not claiming to be omniscient. We're not claiming that we know that these are indeed the top 10 stories, but these were the stories that we chose. And since we're behind the microphone and you're behind your wheel, you just have to listen. <laughs> so we've already covered three of these stories. If you missed any of them, just go subscribe to our podcast, The Gospel for Life. But we're going to handle the next one, big one, um, on abortion rights. Uh, one of the biggest reasons uh, that the U.S. presidential elections have taken on the kind of apocalyptic flavor is the expanding role of the Supreme Court in the moral and political question of abortion. So the Supreme Court has now agreed to take up the Mississippi abortion law, which many believe could lead to the overturning of Roe v. Roe versus Wade. I think this is the Dobbs versus Mississippi case. And this Mississippi law bans abortion after f- 15 weeks of pregnancy except to preserve the life of the mother. Uh, The law also uh, allows abortion if there is, quote, a serious risk of substantial and irreversible impairment of a major bodily function, end quote. So a a major bodily function would include functions of the immune system, normal cell growth and digestive, bowel, bladder, neurological, brain, respiratory, circulatory, um, and reproductive functions. Um, so liberal justices did, can I just jump in please. real just real quickly um, the opening statement talked about the expanding role of the Supreme Court in the moral political question of, of abortion I just want to just clarify just briefly when you go back in time to 1973 um, at the time of Roe v. Wade that was uh, uh, a gigantic leap um, by the Supreme Court into a debate that had been state by state. And so you can't be more expansive in the abortion issue than the Supreme Court was in 1973. Mm-hmm. So then what happened is that over time, the Supreme Court um, began to not hear cases because they not because they supported the rationale of Roe v. Wade. If you follow the track record with regard to opinions written, um, any or most constitutional scholars of any weight, of any that are worth their salt, understand that there wasn't truly a a constitutional foundation for Roe v. Wade, if they're honest. Really, Roe v. Wade has been upheld based upon precedent, that because Mm -hmm. it's been around for so long, it is now an established practice, not because it's constitutionally so, but because of longevity. 
Um, it, and basically what you'll find in constitutional law, the, the writings of the Supreme Court is not a defense of the constitutionality of it, but the, 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 the defense, we do this because we've done it. And because we've done it, we need to keep doing it. Right. And so really what you have now is an expansion, not because um, they're trying to – I mean, really what the expansion is about is conservative justices are now beginning to say, can we talk about the true heart of Roe v. Wade, which is the constitutionality of what was decided? Mm-hmm. And and now more discussion is happening. So if you kind of look at it as a as a reverse parabola, you have a lot of expansion in 1973. It kind of drops off as it becomes the quote unquote accepted norm, bottoms out, and now it's escalating because people are beginning to ask the hard questions of wait, we might have just been flat out wrong constitutionally. Let's mm-hmm. talk about it. And so that's why it's coming back. Sorry, that was probably no. tons more than people wanted to know. Well, one thing on the precedent thing real quick, that, that is such an awful argument. I mean, um, that, that would have ensured the enshrining of slavery forever in, in our own nation because there were cases that defended slavery at one point. And if the justices after that just said, well, this is precedent, so we need to uphold this. I mean, that is an awful argument for any part of our life. Yeah, the, the, Dred, the Dred Scott right. decision. Well, like it, me and in our family, you know, we always, you know, get drunk every Friday and Saturday night. And so since we've always done that, we're just going to, cont- I mean, that, that is such, I, I don't care if it's, you know, framed in legalese, that is an awful way of thinking. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, just to agree. Okay, so what are the um, theological biblical standards that indicate the right to life of the child in the womb? Before I, before I give an answer to that, I, I want to back up a little bit. And uh, I, I will assert that everyone, even an unbeliever, has a theological underpinning to their definition of life yeah. and when life begins. Absolutely. Uh, because um, this is, you know, the when we start to talk about the meaning of life and why is human life valuable um, and and why why should human life be protected at at any age or, mm-hmm. or stage of de- development? Um, why do we why do we prosecute people for murder when they take a human life? Um, it's because we value we, we we value human life. Now, why? Um, you, no matter wh- where you stand uh, as a person of faith or as a person of no faith, your ultimate value that you place on human life is a is a theological uh, premise, yeah. w- whether you ag- agree to that or not. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, but from the Christian standpoint, um, God creates human life. Mm-hmm. It's not simply a biological function. It, it is that because that's the way God designed us. Uh, but when that sperm and egg come together and form a zygote, mm-hmm. 
and 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 and, and, and then then an embryo. That is the hand of God yeah. mm-hmm. uh, at work in creating new life. So that's when well, human is, life begins. This that's is what the psalmist understood. Begins. Psalm one thirty nine verses thirteen through sixteen. He says. He's speaking of God, you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. You saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. It's pointing to the fact that ultimately God is in, God is the creator. God has, you know, forms life in the womb. It it was a person, this is a person in the womb at conception. Mm-hmm. And this is why, I mean, it's, it's not just that they're a person, which is is it is a big deal. Mm-hmm. But what that person is is an image bearer, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and so when we talk about um, the, our concern for life, um, because this is is a human being, a person, it, it also is saying something about what a human is as an image bearer. This is why. Um, the phrase, well, it would be better not to bring an unwanted child into the world, um, and therefore abortion is okay. No, because we're, we're talking about an image bearer. Mm-hmm. No matter the, 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 how the baby came to be conceived, mm-hmm. that can't change the status of that child. Mm-hmm. And so uh, a child born out of wedlock should be celebrated, not because it was born in a sinful environment, but because it's an image bearer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it's okay to throw a baby shower for somebody that's having a child out of wedlock. Why? Because you're celebrating an image bearer. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're celebrating life. Um, even a child of rape is an image bearer. Yeah. Born in brokenness yeah. that we live in on this side of the fall, but it doesn't change the reality of, of what we're talking about. Yeah. And so I think that part of the discussion, um, sometimes we, we get this characterization of being angry people that want to hold signs and shout at people. Um, and I think we need to lose that image, and I think we need to stop behaving like that. And we need to be about the positive and saying, no, I care about the person who's having an abortion because they're an image bearer. I care about I care about the life that's in the womb of that person because it's an image bearer, and we need to be able to convey that in a, in a much more loving and consistent mm-hmm. um, way to those that we're in dialogue with about abortion. Mm-hmm. We often hear the phrase "follow the science" now, and uh, you know this is one of the areas in which um, a great and many people in the nation are not following the science of what is actually taking place in in the womb that yeah. there is a a person a, a being being created from conception it is not a blob it is not simply a mass of proteins it is a child that is being you know so we're talking you know Regardless of how this was conceived, there are three people in, involved. There's there's a father, there's a mother, and there's an infant. 
and uh, and you know nothing justifies taking the life of one of those individuals. Yeah, in my view, um, I I believe that God still deals with nations as co- collections of people. And in the Old Testament, it talks about the blood guilt of this nation or the blood guilt of that nation. Um, if, if you if you want to wonder why one of the reasons why why I believe we're in the we're we're in the mess that we're in today, it's because I, I believe that God is judging this nation for the innocent blood that has been shed. Right. And so there are you know we on the last program we t- we kind of talked about well what is an evangelical and and one of the definitions was that they are engaging in active evangelism and even social reform. We look back at guys like William Wilberforce and we applaud them for their social reform in terms of slavery. There's a way to do social reform that is anti-gospel and then there's a way to do social reform that is very much gospel. And in this particular area, I I think, you know, we regularly pray for the Dobbs versus Mississippi case in our Sunday service Mm -hmm. because, I mean, we believe that the gospel can impact the Supreme Court, and and, right. and we believe that mm-hmm. God can um, change those justices. We we need repentance on this issue if if this nation is going to survive. In my view, any kind of looming judge, well, as, continuing as you judgment. point out, there are there are individual and corporate responsibilities individually. You know, uh, Genesis nine five says, "And for your life, bud, I will require a reckoning." Yeah. Um, from his fellow man, I will require a reckoning for the life of man. You know, you know why? Because as Russ pointed out, this is an image bearer. Yeah, They've been made mm-hmm. in an image. I think one of the cha- you know, there is a challenge that you know, do how do we how do we eliminate uh, abortion? I'm glad that the Supreme Court has it. It's going to move toward. Hopefully, it'll move toward the states. But I. It's not so much a matter of making it difficult. It should be something that's illegal. Yeah, amen. If you're looking for a pattern to how to pray about this, I I think Daniel chapter 7 is a wonderful picture of how you pray as an individual and at the same time pray corporately for the nation in which you're a part of. And it's a good balance of um, him owning his own sin and in in some degree owning the sin of the nation. Mm-hmm. You've been listening to the Gospel for Life. We will see you next time. 